Did you believe in interdimensional interspace entities like lizards? No. Okay. So Never. Okay. Why, why not? My, 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 my journey into the conspiratorial world was interesting because um, predominantly the first person I gravitated towards was Alex Jones. Uh, and then through Alex Jones, I got into his umbrella corpse, which led you to David Icke and all that sort of a thing. Now, okay. there was one strange thing. Like, I, I gravitated towards the esoteric stuff and the Illuminati. And then a lot through a lot of this, just the the the, the bull crap that gets said about masons and stuff, because they're like, oh, they're all demons eating babies and stuff. And I was in the privileged position to have a dad who was a mason, so I understood okay. that uh, if he was eating babies and sacrificing them, he was fucking hell of a good at it because nobody knew about it. Right. So um, I don't know. It was just it allowed me to be skeptic about the skeptic community from very early on. So not only was I open to an alternative view of the world through the alternative media, I was also very early on open to the fact that they were full of shite as well, through the fact that I knew they were full of shite because all this bloodlines of the Illuminati pish, when you go and research it and stuff, you can t you, you go and look at the sources of it and stuff, and it's it's nothing more than fairy tales to keep it's people on. Dubious. Ah, it's just, like, they've, they've, took, they've spun a yarn, they've took some truths, and they've spun it into this big mythology uh, bullcrap to sell books and keep people chasing their own tales. Yeah, but it's also all these people, they're like, I, I don't want to be in a glass house throwing stones, but they're like information addicts. Mm. And they're just, there's always another thing to learn. There's always another bit of information. There's just out of reach. And they think that if they learn enough stuff, it's suddenly going to change their lives and make them feel good. <laughs> but, then, arms and legs but then you try and, and, go, and yeah, and then you try and, and go out and convince anyone of this stuff, and you'll find that it's almost impossible to convince anyone that you're right. So it's like it's just a complete dead end for people. I mean, they could go out creating organisations, create, uh, create charities, non-profits, create a business, invent something, do something that's going to help you and make you more free. But instead, they're always focused outside there on the world and getting the next information. And I know because I was one. So a real good analogy for that is, and I'm sure we're aware of it, is the rabbit hole, right? Because yeah. you can yeah. now a lot of people are familiar with that analogy, but they've never looked at it from the bigger picture. Think of it, and a rabbit hole was down under. So when you fall down the rabbit hole, you're going down. And you you never stop spiraling down because the more rabbit holes you go down, you go down and down and down and down. When you learn information, you want this things. For me, like you're saying, Every, if you want to gravitate yeah. towards creating and building yeah, yes. and sort of a producing and, and making stuff better for yourself. Saving the world starts with saving yourself. No question. Um, even when I was talking about like um, having the balls very early on, no matter how bad I was. I mean, I'd see my reading skills when I asked that I am. Um, too many qualifications. So see, when I took to start trying to make my own YouTube clips, my reading skills was very poor. Right. Right. And that, like, this is, and, and um, it took a hell of a fucking pair of balls to put on news articles and try and read them when you couldn't read fucking the majority of the words, right? And I made right. an absolute fool and tit of myself, but over time, it grew my thick skin. It also improved my reading skills and it grew my confidence to be able to go, listen, it's all about interpretation. It's not right. about it's not about how many books you can read. It's about your understanding of them. For me, because for sure. as you're saying, it's the never-ending uh, rabbit holes. Every and, answer creates a hundred questions. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So you better make sure that you're chasing the right answers. Uh, and uh, here's the thing that I never really got with the conspiracy theory thing. See if there is a bunch of people meeting in secret, running the whole world, and there could be. 
what's the matter if they're lizards or humans or aliens? Like, there's still a bunch of cunts. Aye, exactly, man. Just cunts. I stick to names that we can all understand. <laughs> now, um, for me, at like, um, well, that leads on to sort of a, what I believe the mechanisms that are enslavement. Uh, you can call it enslavement, you can call it whatever, but for me, I would look at the, the, the banking system and the mechanisms of that. Right, we, we could be here all day about the creation of money and stuff, and hopefully we'll, right. we'll, we'll elaborate on that because it's beautiful. And one of the other mechanisms is the mockery scam. Yeah, because this sounds this sounds crazy. Somebody coming up and going, "Kill democracy! It's a scam!" Because we've never ever ever been allowed to yes. venture down any other fucking path. Now, I'm not saying a democratic vote is valueless. Democratic votes on things are very valuable, right. and you can have democratic voting. Uh, built into some sort of a system. What system I would have, I do not know. If I was to design a system, I would start by asking the five-year-olds before they got corrupted. But with regards to democracy scam, and Wouldn't this... Wouldn't you end up with Barney the Dinosaur? <laughs> yeah, exactly better. Exactly my <laughs> okay. point, better. Right, okay. Already, already an improvement don't, by don't leaps and bounds. With regards to democracy, though, right, we're sold the false fallacy that democracy and... Not democratic voting, but democracy. It's the only way. It's fair because it's rule by majority. Yeah. We all sit round and it's rule by majority. Go and study the figures. Go and study the figures and see how many people vote for the parties that lead us. And what you'll see is it's rule by minority. So as I was saying on my channel the other day, um, I broke down these figures. We'll get about 65 million people in the UK. How many voted for the Conservatives? 13.6, I believe. Uh, go and check out these figures. So all you need to do to enslave the rest of the country, you need 16, 16.6 million house niggers, and then the rest of them are slaves. Right? That's okay. how you can have political... Um, Right. P political dictatorships in a country under the disguise of democracy. Democracy scam is rule by minority. So we need to rethink this because, believe it or not, right, and I, I, when I held my own election on the general election, I went out in the street and I held my own election. Vote us, not them. Democracy is a scam. We, can't, we need to stop putting our X in their box. And um, people, everybody agrees with me. Everybody agrees with me. I couldn't find one person that didn't agree. I would go up. They would say I was talking about the election. They were like, oh, my God, shut up. I'm coming out my ears. And then the second I told them, don't you agree? There isn't one party worth voting for at all. Boom, completely engaged. I spot on, completely agree. Now, a lot of the people had voted. Some of them hadn't voted. But one thing they agreed on is all the political parties were the same. There is no difference. And here's the problem with democracy is whatever part you can't, every party has a package deal. I've got all of these policies. And it's not just that you might not agree with one of the package deals. It's like they can all agree on certain fundamental issues. And there's nothing you can do because you're going to say vote Labour if you want uh, better laws for worker working people. Or you're going to vote Tories if you want more taxes. Or, you know, whatever your main issue is, um, you've still got to vote for everything else. And, and the parties can have 100% consensus on yeah. what's really important as long as they keep you debating things like, um, you know, I don't know, whatever the topic of, of the day is. You know? Good analogy is we'll never let us debate the block of cheese that's on the table, just the crumbs that fall off. And you've got every, like, um, it's a pigeonhole. The, polit the party political pr uh, system is an absolute scam because they've got a party to keep everybody happy, feel them, make them feel engaged. 
Now that this is the route I believe they're going down now with this direct, direct democracy, they're going to start incorporating online voting, that right. especially with the youth and the, mill and the millennials. And and this might, God knows what 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 system they'll go down, but it'll be online voting, and then they'll have um, proportional representation, which what's going to get sold to is that it's fairer. But mm -hmm. be, what you have under proportional representation is the system unable to make a decision one way or the other. So even if you do get majority rule, they can't go, right, we're taking the ship this way because there's too much debate, there's too much right. weight of debate. Yeah. Now, um, in this country, we have an illusion of choice, and the more they water down that illusion, i.e. more parties they give you to choose from, the less um, people you have to pay off the less people you have to keep happy to get your party in power. And this is just a fact, and again, it's minority. Now, um, this isn't, like, the things I'm talking about um, aren't new principles. These have been known um, yes. as forms of corruption, and, and especially with the founding mm -hmm. fathers of America, right. the separation of powers and stuff. The French system as well, where there's different parties, but they get then voted to a, a two-horse race off. Right, more fairer than what we've got just now, because you end up with a more a more natural leader than a watered down bunch of bullcrap, in my opinion. Um, but I like the founding yeah. fathers of America. They were very concerned about this, and through most of history, people thought of democracy as dangerous because they saw the logic that a small group of people can hold the rest to ransom. Yeah. Now we can take many examples of this, right? Which individual that you find would like to say give uh, a farming subsidy to a rich landowner almost no one would but the thing is the price of say the farming subsidy to the average person is maybe a pound a year if that so let's just say it was that's one pound for everyone in britain but that that rich landowner is getting 64 million when you count up all the uh, contributions. So the people who are paying a pound towards the um, farming subsidy do not have much incentive to get rid of it. But the person who's benefiting to the tune of 60 million does. And that's why we have a military industrial complex, a pharmaceutical industrial complex. Every, every one of these government being in the bed with corporations and big business exists because the benefits of that to the few are huge, but the cost of it is spread out over the many. And democracy creates a tendency. Democracy. Democracy creates a tendency for uh, minorities to loot majorities, and also sometimes for majorities to loot minorities, as you know, with slavery or whatever. So, do yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, well, I would just, I would just, you know, interject at that point, just to say, even if democracy, even if it was, uh, I mean. You mentioned that it was, you know, you end up actually with a minority ruling. Mm -hmm. But even if it was a majority, That's a good point. I mean, even if it was truly a majority government, um, does the majority, for example, have a right to dictate your sexuality? Right. Does the majority have the right to, to dictate, you know, how you live your life, where you live, or what job you do? I mean, the majority shouldn't have a right. To, yeah. to enforce its spell. You know, should uh, we be able to vote to decide that you're mandated to wear blue socks not red socks yeah i don't want people to vote about what kind of socks that i should wear so why do i want to give them more power over me to vote what kind of health care i should receive what kind of schooling my 
my yeah. children should receive and, and mandate that. Sorry, do you want to add anything? No, no, that's precisely where I was going. So I never realised we're on such the same page, <laughs> same page when it comes to that sort of a philosophy and stuff. Yeah. But when it boil, when you boil down to it, and no matter what labels you attach to it, it is like when it's it's what's in man inherent, and it's the the want to be free, and that want to be an individual free with your liberty. I steer away from that because of it. It comes it comes with political connotations nowadays, unfortunately. Yeah. But like that's just my personal preference. Yeah. But cool. like as you, as as we're obviously like witnessing, man, it's the principles are obviously share. Um, yeah. for me, that manifested with me taking to the because democracy, uh, aka the democracy scam. Um, the 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 governments of the now the numbers that I broke down there were the British numbers recently. The the election that just got held. Go and break these down these numbers down in the French recent elections. Go and look at the proportional hung parliament bull crap of voting the lowlands. Go and look at this model getting wrung out through uh, Europe, and you'll find it's the exact same. In every country, they're all ruled by the minority. <laughs> every single one of them. Um, by no accident, in my humble opinion. Um and Oh, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> what did you not find though? Right. Uh, so thanks very much. Now you've got, it must be catching because you've got you've got me to <laughs> as well. Um, um, but you, you find that like, okay. Let, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, just, I mean, do you find that the people who 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 chunter on the most about democracy scam, right? People go, oh, democracy, this democracy, that democracy, and are the very same people who moan the loudest when democracy throws up something that they disagree with. Mm. Like, whether it be Brexit, whether it's Remain, whether it's Scottish right. independence, or if you look at the, the election that's going on in Ireland in the moment about abortion, abortion is yeah. a good one to bring up because I don't know one single feminist, I've never met a feminist in my life who would say, well, if the Irish election suddenly decided by majority vote that abortion should be illegal, I don't know one single feminist that would go, well, that's, that's what the majority say, you know, that's democracy, so we'll run with that. They would go, yeah, no. Yeah, they go, that's mob rule. Yeah, yeah. It's like, mob, what of do you think democracy rule. is? Yeah, exactly. Democracy is mob rule. It's yeah. and, and I think it's no analogy as well when you think the mob, he's not talking about mob, he's actually talking about the criminal mob, especially when you go and look at American politics nowadays, it is yeah. run by the mob. Um, but it is what we're witnessing just now is the like our forms of government, no matter what label they put on it, when you go and break it down, like we are here, it's run by minority, and then when you go and examine the individuals who have bought their way to the top, it's pretty much run by criminal, it, like literally organised crime right at the top, man. It's, it's kind of scary. Um, well, you so, could just argue that government is organised crime. Well, so well, they're the most successful gang. They do the same thing that a mafia does, which is they come around and say, you pay us a percentage of your yeah. income for some protection. You know, it's the most successful protection racket. And it has legitimacy because, well, look. Well, they just call themselves government. You know, if, if, if the mafia didn't call themselves the mafia, if they just called themselves government right. and got people to elect them, then Here's, I suppose they'd be legitimate as well. Same thing. People yeah. have this idea that people got together and decided to create government because, I don't know, they thought, oh, it's going to be savage in the wild. But what, what they don't realise is for most of history, government had no nothing to do with serving the people and helping the people. For most of history, it was a monarchy, and the purpose of government was to raise an army and try and conquer your neighbours so that you can have a bigger empire and a bigger government. Then somewhere along the line, some kings thought, well, it might be a good idea to, you know, I don't know, help my people a wee bit and, and stuff like that, and, you know, maybe I'll give them some bread and some circuses and, 
and that'll keep them happy. Well, well especially then, if your people had a tendency to bugger off and live under another king's uh, system who might have been better, right. who might have treated them better. You know? Yeah. So, so, you know, with a, with an open border system where people could just go, do you know what, I don't really like living under this king's rule, he stinks, I'll go and, go, I'll go and uh, support that other king who actually treats his people better. An incentive for leaders not to be corrupt. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Yeah. I remember my, where my brain, I remember what was what I was thinking about before my brain fart. I was talking about okay. with the democracy and how they justify right. it. Now, you could go into the legal system where they get their authority from, that's where they, they've Conned people into thinking they can turn up with a stick, hit you over their head, and take you away to their jails because somebody says so. Mm. Um, but it's consent. Um, the politicians will stand in front of you and say that they rule and they govern. Sorry, they govern and they police by consent. Mm -hmm. So ask yourself how you take away that. Yeah, consent. how am I allowed to withdraw my consent? Well, it's a simple. Like if you, well, it's not simple. Sorry. If you look at the legal ease now, um, legally when you're signing a contract, if you're treated like an idiot, like yeah. a dumb animal, they'll ask you to put an X when you're signing your name, and that stands. Yeah. That's legally still standing, dubious but still standing. Yeah. Now ask yourself a question: Why in every uh, democracy scam over the world do they ask you to put an X in the box? Now, my, as, opposed, my, my, as opposed to any other kind of symbol, as opposed to a tick. tick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you know you spoil your ballot if you tick the box. It's only X's. Now, this is because of the legalese behind it. Because if you right. go, this is what I genuinely believe. It's the legal contract that they're creating joinder, and this is how they justify what they're doing, and they grant themselves. The right. Is this the uh, legal? Is this um, this uh, free man on the land stuff? No, it's not free no, man on the land. This is, this is like uh, if you go and look into uh, a, a legal dictionary or okay. uh, legal definitions. Yeah. Um, idiots are people that can't sign their names, will either put their initials or an X. Okay. Now, it has right. to be witnessed and stuff. Okay. Right now, in every democracy scam around the world, so this for me is kind of like the language. Now, I, I, I'm. I know it's not for everybody and stuff, but um, before we had the Enigma machine encryption on our computers, whatnot, we had carrier pigeons, we had the, the people running messages and stuff, and we had to have ways of having hidden uh, ways of communicating and stuff. Right. And the symbols took on not one meaning, not two meaning, a, a variety of meanings to... So don't get bogged down in it, it's another rabbit hole, but a very valuable puzzle piece for me to understand there is a language we don't understand. One of them is legalese, and this yeah. is the language to speak in court. Um, you would be here all day, but basically it's where they get the, it's where they give themselves the authority to yeah. in court. Uh, they claim it from a book, but now it's a bit more ambiguous and stuff. Yeah. But, but um, for example, if I to say to you, uh, or you say to me, in normal, in normal parlance, if I say to you, do you understand? You just think that I mean, do you? Well, I do. I just mean, do yeah. you comprehend what I'm saying? However, in in law, that's a very specific thing to say. Do you understand? Yeah, it means literally, I stand under what you say. So, if a policeman says you're an idiot, do you understand? And you say, yep. You, you, you've agreed. You've basically agreed right. that you're an idiot. And it's this yeah. contract thing. So yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. like you, you could boil it down to legalese. It's this contract, the the need for a contract, which requires a signature. Back in the day, yeah. when remember we the Great Unwashed is relatively um, in historical terms. <laughs> <laughs> in historical terms, we're not very long educated. In, <laughs> we're not educated long in the tooth. So, in times gone by, when they had to get us to, uh, uh, um, not had to, when they were binding us with legal contracts, and the vast majority of us were um, 
illiterate, it was put your X here. Now, that's the way the voting system started, right? right? It's because it's a okay. contract. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, this is this is my argument. Now, they won't tell you this, right. but that's yeah. how then they stand up and say, well, hold on a second, we can do... doesn't matter if you vote SNP, Conservative, Labour, every time Just you go and vote... Just by putting your X on that your ballot consent. form, that's your consent. consent. Right. They, count you in, they count you in the box and go, this is how many people are registered to vote. Ask yourself the question. This is for me... Um, why is the government so eager to get you to register to vote? They don't care who you vote for. They just you've contracted with them, so that creates um, that I creates I these gangsters. So that's the thing. It's like you try and tell people that. Well, look, government isn't voluntary. It just you know. I just woke up one day and the government was there. How am I allowed to? Uh, and they say, well, there's a social contract and, you know, you're born into an area and such. Do you know, I've, I've been looking for the social contract yeah. for years. If and it exists, why don't you let social contract see it and Right. That's my argument. So, okay. so what, and the interesting thing is, if we talk a little bit about law, because, you know, your audience um, may have heard from, from some of your perspectives, but might not have heard of ours, like on, in the libertarian community, there's a big debate over whether law should be arrived at by government or not you know some people say yeah you need a legal framework and some for example i can see no reason why the government should create contract law right because the fact that you need to understand a language to sign a contract and know what it means you need to go to university and study years to actually understand what a contract means on a free market where you had third-party arbitrators that you could go to draft contracts with you, since they were competing with each other, they would need to make the language as simple as possible. So you didn't need an expert in order, to, you didn't need to be an expert in order to be able to understand it. That's how they keep the fees yeah. down. But by creating this bureaucratic system where you need four or five years in university to even understand a contract or to understand the law, they increase the the, the the value of that service, the service of being a lawyer, the service of interpreting things. But you think something like, what a, what's a contract about? It's about what you as an individual are obliged to do in order to fulfill your word. You would want to make that as simple. And it's voluntary. Yeah. So this is voluntary. the trick behind it. This yeah. is what I right. believe. See, see, see uh, ethically speaking, this is how the governments even justify this because in, in theory it is all voluntary right um and, and voting is voluntary nobody says nobody's forcing you to go and put that x in the box now my argument is you're just voting what color a clown suit you want on you're still getting a motherfucking clown so stop participating now what I, and people that haven't aren't aware of my channel sticking to my channel yeah. vote is not them yeah. um also the real election it was back in 2015 i've done the exact same thing i stood at a ballot box at my flat at, at, at my flat with a box saying come and vote in my election not theirs explaining the exact same philosophy that i am just now the cops came up to me and said you can't call it the real election you're confusing people they couldn't okay. stop me doing what I'm doing. Now, seeing this theory as well, we literally could take our ball back. Now, our ball back's our power, our authority, our sovereignty, right? We, and we could do this without having to um, have one protest, um, smash one window, kill one person, burn right. one leaf, right. just by voting. 
And if we get that balance of more people coming to our election, I'm not asking anybody to vote for me, far from it, I'm far too crazy, but it's to agree on the singularity, like we, us can, he, right here, right now, the way we're chatting right now, we could easily design a better system, so, so could a five-year-old, even Barney and stuff, <laughs> definitely, but what we do agree on is the system is self-serving, it's never going to correct itself, voting is never going to change things inherently, and um, by Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing again and again and again and expecting something different is insanity. That's what democracy scam is. So my idea is to get more people um, voting us, not them. Then we can sit down at a table away from the banks and the commercial interests as a genuine people. Because believe it or not, people have people's interest, best interests at heart. Right. See, living, believing human fucking beings instead of corpses, walking corpses, corporations. They actually care about people. And if we put some sort of a system in, what that is, I don't care. We need to sit down and talk about it like adults, but we can and we should. And it's this idea that people yeah, well, need to propagate. This yeah. is a very interesting thing because people think now that the government is responsible for everything, for res responsible for taking care of the poor and, and things like that. But what they don't understand is this is not compassion. This destroys community. In the past, people were members of mutual aid societies. Um, they volunteered and did charity. They were a member of the Rotary Club or the Masons. Uh, you had... Um, unions didn't just go to the government to lobby, they give uh, unemployed members benefits and they yeah. help them find jobs. And, you know, there were friendly societies for mutual benefit. Six million out of seven million British labourers were members of friendly societies. That means people created community on the horizontal level. They knew the names of their neighbours. Now, if there's any ever a problem, people say the government should do about something about this. They don't say someone should do something about that oh wait i'm someone maybe i can get together with some other people and do something about it they think oh it's the government's job so yeah. the government by taking on responsibilities that used to be the place of community has destroyed the need for community and atomized society to the point where people don't know their neighbors because they don't need to know their neighbors and by no accident i would say i, I no, absolutely no. not you know it's just, it's just margaret like, thatcher yeah. done it by design she came in and kept like and you, you might not agree with the communities that were prior to Margaret Thatcher, but you can definitely say there was community there. She came in with our right to buy scheme and turned the poor against the poorer, created a divide within that that's pigeonhole. That's what I genuinely see, man, because like, were you not, I don't know, people that grew up in Scotland and witnessed this, and yet then you used to have a council estate and everybody on there was singing from the same hymn sheet. Margaret Thatcher came and said right to buy, so then what, 25% of the... Mr. and Mrs. Smiths then got a mortgage and then could get loans, more debt for that mortgage to then do up their house and bling it up and then it was no longer any uniformity and there was that sense of we're all in it together gone. So then like as Anthony was saying there, the, the sense of community and even the sense of justice within the community, the sense that the community can police itself, all forms of things just gone out the window and that was a general erosion done by Margaret Thatcher who was the cock whore Fucking um, Reagan, sorry, as well, man, who was over in America doing similar stuff to the political landscape over there, definitely. Anything to say to that, Anthony? Well, I just, 
I was going to actually ask if you wanted to move on to another, the next topic, because you mm -hmm. wanted to talk about the Glenfell Towers thing. And this is one where actually community came out in force. The amount of compassion that was pouring into Tinder, eh, Tinder? <laughs> yeah, the amount of compassion. You can tell what he was doing before we started. <laughs> well, I like yes, that you the wish was further to the thought. Yeah, I like that you can swipe with one hand. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, the community was out in force on uh, Twitter and Facebook. People came along to donate um, food, clothing. People were saying, I've got a flat with a, a couch that people can stay, sleep on if they need one to sleep on. Um, so first of all, do you want to break down for our American audience uh, basically what happened with the Glenfell Towers thing? Um, well, let's start with, well, let's start possibly with, if we can, what we know of facts, or trying to be factual as we possible, just to start with at least. What, what's the, what do we know? Well, I, I, I stay in one of these big stinking uh, block of flats, right? Okay. So they were made in the end of the 60s, early 70s, and when they were done up, a good way of explaining them were prefabbed concrete boxes stacked on each other. Um, different ones had different constructions. Smaller, skinnier ones had one stairwell, other ones had two stairwells. So, kind of what you would call a project. I project fucking hen house stacked yeah. on each other. Um, horrible things. And then more recently, uh, plus they were packed with asbestos as well, which makes them a nightmare, like bringing them down because they're all in high built up areas. Right. So you can't just come along with a big stick of dynamite. So there's lots asbestos of things. Asbestos will go into the air and people will be breathing. Yeah, in just like after the Twin Towers. Right. So okay. um, I stayed in these blocks now for five years. Uh, for, not for over five years, like seven years now, actually. It's been five years for two years, that makes seven. Um, so uh, my blocks have got done up in that time as well. But uh, long story short, down so they they were insulating them to make them more energy efficient and stuff. Down in Greenfell and in other tower blocks, some in Western Bartonshire, the, the Theresa May this morning on PMQs confirmed uh, more. She said three definite towers have been confirmed with flammable material that's used to insulate them. Okay. Um, thank God, my. Um, building hasn't got panels put on it, it's got more okay. of a brick rendering and as, as synchronicities would have it, maybe about six weeks ago there was a fire on the outside of my block, a, a couch went on fire and thank fuck I didn't have flammable panels because it would have went up okay. and, and if those panels caught like the exact, like everybody would have seen on the video, okay. it, they basically took a hump of concrete and to insulate that concrete, they covered it in flammable stuff. And then a bit of flammable stuff at the very bottom caught fire, and it went all around the whole building. Uh, it was home to 600 residents. Quite right now, they're saying 80 confirmed dead, 100-odd still Shocking. missing. Um, and people are, the left are blaming the right, the right are blaming the left, and you get all your wee celebrity whores coming out. Is there anybody just blaming government? Me. Okay. Um, I, I, well, I even went further, and I blamed the system, and I blamed the okay. scam, and then it even went a step further, and I said, who's to really to blame for this? It's us. It's all us, collectively us, who have agreed and consented collectively over the years to this general degradation in our system to the extent right now that people will just accept okay. the corporate whorebagism, man, it's disgusting. So um, it's ourselves, because we, we literally put up with what we put up with, right. and there's mechanisms to stop this, and the mechanism is to stop giving democracy and the pol pol politicians, politicians their consent. 
And what I, I've talked quite a bit about housing. I've not done a big breakdown on this program, but I will have to sometime or another. But I think, can I just, can I just okay. make a point about some of the some of these blocks of flats in Glasgow? And I don't know if the situation was the same in, 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 in London, but I know that we used to have tenement buildings here in Glasgow, you know, and people said, well, you know, like the, the, the poverty and the deprivation, but there was a community in those in those uh, in those buildings. And somebody, you know, the Glasgow Corporation decided that it was a good idea for all the best intentions in the world that they were going to rehouse people in, in, in better accommodation and more modern accommodation. And they threw out, threw up a lot of these atrocities and broke down existing communities and transferred these people into these, as you call them, battery hen kind of, right. kind of block. And, you know? and the thing is, is they because government's so good at, yeah. at, at, at these things, you know, yeah. government's so good at housing, government's so good at Afghanistan, government's so good at Iraq, you know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, government's so good at curing poverty, as we've seen since we've had like a war on poverty and all these welfare programs for 50 years. And the only thing we've seen is the institutionalization. And, of the, and the war on drugs. And, yeah. and you, can't, you can't get drugs for love their money these yeah. days because of the war, the war on drugs. You know, so. so no good ones. Yeah. So the thing is, I think what people really don't understand about these things is when something like this happens, the first thing is, right, what's government going to do now? And the problem is not what government's going to do, but what government has been doing that it shouldn't be doing. Because um, what people don't really understand about this stuff is if you want power in any area of your life, whether it's where you work or where you live or who you go out with, the main thing you need is choice, right? And there has been a massive shortage in the supply of housing. In the UK, so much so that uh, house prices went up by over 4,000 percent between 1971 and 20, 2011. So can you imagine a house costing a 40th of what it costs now? People would be so rich. Even people we consider poor would be rich if a house was a 40th of what it was now or even a tenth. Now why is that? Well, um, in, in the 1980s there was a housing boom uh, created by all this newly created money and credit and um, this is really great for homeowners which outweigh people who are after a home nine to one. So here we see the problem with democracy scam again, right? If there's nine times as many homeowners as people chasing a house, it's in the interest of the politicians to keep the price of housing up. Now, when you're in that situation where there's not enough housing to go around, people need to accept whatever shitty housing is given to them, these Grenfell Towers, these projects. Well, you know, a, you know, it's hard enough to get into a house. So there's all these uh, regulations and restrictions on the use of land and buildings. You know, if, the, if we want you know, it's probably illegal for more than two people to live in this flat. Right, but many years ago, a whole family would live in a flat the size of this room. So, what's wrong with like say six students who want to keep their uh, cost of living to a minimum sleeping in this flat? If they decide to do that, yeah, it'll be a bit crowded, but at least they'll be able to put money by for the future, and then maybe buy their own house, and they'll be able to get um, get a much better standard of living. And you know. Uh, but they're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. That's a, against the law. Um, well, even if you tried to build your own house, 
Right. You know, the government, somebody for the government would come along and go, you know, you can't do that. You're not allowed to build it that way. You've got to build it this way and you've got to do this thing. You've got to do that. And all of these require money to comply with. So that pushes the price of your rent up or the price of your mortgage up, all the compliance costs. You've got the HMO licenses. You've got the stamp duty in in England for selling a house. All of this is just going to be passed on to the tenants. It's not the land. You know, and who benefits? Benefit the, the the building companies benefit. The the government who's taking the, their chunk, their 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 bite of the, the pie, they're going to benefit, and the banks benefit. But people and how the people who actually want to get onto the, the housing market and actually want to buy an affordable house, they don't benefit. Even goes back to Margaret Thatcher's policy of the right to buy. People think that was a step up. But what it was right. doing was it was killing people's social housing or affordable, very affordable social, or compared to nowadays, very affordable social housing um, and passing it into private hands. Now, um, back then, a lot of people weren't aware that in longevity, given it, like fast forward to today, a lot of those houses have now been turned over through perpetual debt and they're now in the hands of people that own two, three, four properties. Right. And you get that disparity where there's people on the streets but people that own five properties and it's all due to profit and stuff. So and yeah. it's, it's like a lot of these things we're talking about, I don't think it's, it's almost as if like um, the game's rigged to fail for the small person and I don't think that's well, any accident. Think and if democracy's the few ruling over the many, it's no accident and you, you, you draw my attention to a good point because you're talking about people you know owning three or four properties etc and seeing property as investment but property was never meant to be an asset property is a liability why because if i buy a flat i need to upkeep it i need you know to make repairs and things like that an asset was meant to be something like a gold mine or shares in a business, something that provides you as a profit. Now, on a free yeah, market, houses are depreciated. Yeah, if anything, like a you know, when you buy a car, it immediately reduces in value because it's not first hand anymore. A property should be kind of like that, but it's only like that in a situation where if there's not enough housing, someone can go out and build more. At the moment, there's only two or three companies allowed to actually build houses. And that turns something into an investment. Now, all those people who are investing in property, if the government wasn't printing money all the time, could just put it in a bank who would then lend it out to business owners. And that would actually improve the economy because it would go to people who were providing goods and services. Maybe this guy's got an invention. Instead of investing in a property, I'll invest in his business. And this invention, I don't know, maybe it's a cooker that cooks eggs in three minutes instead of four and saves millions of hours of people's lives. Yeah, (laughs) saves millions of hours of people's lives because they don't need to wait. Instead, all this money is getting herded into the property market. And that is driven by um, government policies, which I have actually detailed for anyone who wants to know in an article called The Hope of Affordable Housing. And you can find that on the Scottish Libertarians website if you type it into Google if you want to know the specific details. But affordable housing is another phrase. And you know, you, when you hear, whenever you hear politicians talking about affordable housing, affordable to who? You know, right. look at some of the prices and go, what do they mean affordable? I can't afford that. Like, you know? um, so that, that's that's bizarre you know, to talk about affordable housing. Uh, you know, it's a misnomer. Right. Uh, yeah. But that's government fee. <laughs> But what would happen? I mean, what would happen if housing really was affordable and your average person could buy a house? Uh, well, the price of property would come down, uh, and that's going to 
upset people, and that's what politicians. You know, politicians don't want to upset their their power base. And what did for the last Labour government was property dropping prices, uh, and what did for the Tory government before them was property dropping prices. So it's like there's an unspoken rule that whatever you do, don't let property prices drop. And a consequence of that is they artificially keep the price of properties high. They don't build any more housing uh, because. You know, they know that that will bring the property prices down and that's going to upset the power base. I, I think so, that government yeah. cannot stand the end of poverty because <laughs> what what will happen is... Oh, you cannot have yeah. people who can survive without the government. Right, because exactly. So supposing every, you know, working class people own their own house and they don't have to pay a mortgage or they don't have to pay rent because they own their own property. What do they do next? Well, they do the same thing that middle class people do, which is they send people to private school. Okay, well, then you don't need the public schools anymore. And that's one thing that you don't need government for. Then what do they do? They go, well, we're going to put money away from he for health insurance because we're not getting good health care on the NHS and I don't want to be waiting in a waiting list. Okay, well, then they don't need government for that anymore. And the more rich the people at the bottom become, the less they need government. It's it's a big problem for government if people become self-sufficient <laughs> and can provide their own services. I think government has made about a lot of policies have seemed to like, make it harder for people to be self-sufficient. And that, Again, uh, that's, as you would say, that's not an accident. <laughs> yeah, right. It's policy. Yeah. Um, like even go and check out the light bulb conspiracy. You go back a good few years with the, the planned obsolescence, planned obsolescence, and a lot of yeah. products. Um, it's no accident. It's no accident. We've been herded into IKEA instead of Mister Jones' wood workshop that can build you furniture that lasts a lifetime. Costs a bit more, but lasts a lifetime. Instead, you pick up IKEA stuff that you throw out or breaks in a month for a year if you're lucky, kind of thing. Yeah, it's um, but <clears throat> a lot of these policies economically, I think it's a result because the politicians aren't serving the people. You can, and again, the clown suit show of different parties is for me is an illusion of choice. Yeah. It, it's you can have Coco the Clown and you can have Bozo the Clown. Pepsi or Coca-Cola, Pepsi or Coca-Cola. But the, the, the essence of it is you can see the politicians have been bought and paid for by uh, corporations. So corporations rule the day. And that's going to happen when you've got a uh, democracy anyway, because see on a free market, if you, you, you have to provide a product that people actually want to buy, because otherwise, that's the only way you can sell a product. You need to create something that people want. But if you can create more money by going to the government and lobbying them, what is even the point in serving your customers? Obviously, you're going to go to the government because they're the ones that can force people to pay for your inferior products through the tax system. I mean, weren't, and, weren't we discussing the other day? I mean, a good example would be like you, when you go, I mean, I, I don't smoke, so it doesn't really affect me. Well, I guess it might affect me in a tertiary sense, you know, through taxation or whatever. But, if you go to buy cigarettes, now you can't, you know, uh, tobacco companies aren't allowed to advertise. But that's actually, in a weird way, that's good for, for, big, for the big tobacco companies. Because it means that, any, let's, let's suppose you started up a cigarette company that made cigarettes that were actually slightly better for you uh, and, you know, had less tar in them uh, and had less, you know, chemicals in them and was actually a better, uh, a better product you wouldn't be able to advertise that. And 
uh, large uh, tobacco companies lobbied, actually were all in favour of not having advertising on cigarettes because then it meant they couldn't have any competition against them. They can maintain their monopoly. Yeah, easy. absolutely, they can maintain their monopoly. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it's one of these things that sounds good on paper, but then you go, hang on a minute, I'm being, you know, this is the old switcheroo. <laughs> yeah. There's always a catch. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. said the government is not serving the people. What would be your perception of serving the people and um, serving the people? It sounds a little bit uh, Soviet Russia. Serve! <laughs> we, we are serving the people. So, uh, but I mean, what would be your perception of that? What What would be a good situation? No, I think uh, the, how government's always been sold to the people is a kind of centralization of organization of things that people um uh, amenities things that people want and that's that's been the light side of the coin that's what we've been sold to accept centralization right. of control now we were sold it back in the day where before we had the internet and this instant communication that we've got now which to me i think that pretty much makes government irrelevant because you no longer okay. need centralization um, to have functional organisations that people want. This could all be done, like uh, Anthony said before, by the people for the people. Now, hate to sound that way, but um, it does make sense. And it can, it can and has been done in the past. Um, I like a lot of the, the Facebook memes and stuff that you get out there, and it shows you um, pictures of America prior to the income tax being introduced. Mm -hmm. And thank feck, that's still kind of living memory to some people, because that's something to grasp onto. The government that was set up for the people didn't include income tax, that's no accident. Um, and it showed you all these lovely streets and all the lovely people going about and stuff. And, and like, there was a road and a carriage and it was like, who built the roads? Because that's obviously the argument yeah. they use for income tax and stuff. Yeah. But government, I think, not only to sort of uh, the, the, deliver stuff that people want, but in, in a... In a now, we all know the free markets aren't free, it's controlled markets, you're either in the club yeah. or you're not. It's a free market wouldn't require fucking rules and regulations, it's an yeah. oxymoron. Yeah. Um, so over time, the government's initial interference with business was always used to justify protecting the consumer from yeah. the corporation, um, which again is very noble and it's been sold to us. But over time, what's happened is something that's been being sold to us as an arbitrator between the people and corporations right. has now turned into a corporation. Yeah. So the, the, the person that's meant to be the arbitrator has been bought over by the corporate interests. Funny that, isn't it? I wonder how they bought them over. Mm -hmm. It's not as if they're fucking sitting there making money as dead entities or anything. Yeah. So these are all, and these aren't crazy philosophies or surprises or these are natural consequences of all these systems and how can you tell because every system that's been put in place has acknowledged these problems and put checks and balances in to try and stop them and now we live in a day and age where people don't you even acknowledge know. the, no. Pro the no, problems. They don't know that you'd think since we live in a democracy like i put out a video years ago before we had this podcast called why government can never work or why government will never work. And it's about 26 minutes long and it had most of the arguments I could think of. And I was like, at the end, I was like, right, see if these arguments are easy to get rid of. Why hasn't everyone been educated in them? Because we live in a democracy. We need to know what the scary things about government is and what the problems with the system is. So if there's pitfalls, 
people know where the pitfalls are and we can walk around them. We can get a stronger democracy. For example, the, 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 the one that we had earlier on about concentrated benefits but diffuse costs or the, the fact that you don't want people to vote on what color socks you would like to wear. <laughs> or, you know, it's a sick joke, but it makes the point very poignantly, you know, nine out of 10 people enjoy gang rape, right? That's kind of an un-PC thing to say, but it's a horrible joke, but it illustrates one of the problems with democracy, which is that nine people can gang up on one. So the thing is, given- Look, oh, look what's happened in Scotland yeah, as yeah. well, because we are living in a dictatorship. Um, we used to have, because what you're talking about is recognising, um, well, one of the things, and it's very simplistic, is separation of power, because yeah. too much power concentrated in one place leads to too much corruption, because man is corrupt. We need systems that um, understand man's corruption, not ignore it. We right. stay in a system now that we pretend that Captain Planet's in charge and nobody's corrupt, but that isn't true. So you need separations of powers, right? You could go into this, the writings of this from the, the, the French Revolution and the American Revolution, they understood the separation of powers and why it was important. Um, and we're moving away from that. And here in Scotland, we used to have separation of powers within the police force, which yeah. would obviously keep police, I say obviously, but there would be some incentive to stop uh, corruption within police force. Now we've got one super, super dictatorship police force with a, with a one department that investigates police corruption, uh, appointed by the SNP, who's a one-party dictatorship up here in Scotland. Yeah. We stay in a dictatorship up here in Scotland, um, and I speak to some people who are engaging with, let's say, the, 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 the government services and stuff, and um, the separation of power, um, the, the, the concept of that not only is, uh, is true within government, it's also true within branches of government, yeah. um, and it's there for a reason that means that one, let's say, somebody just hates you for whatever rhyme or reason and they end up in a position of power. If there is no separation of power, they could literally just go in and change a dot a T, dot an I, do something and kill you. Right, it's it's putting too much power, too much power in one place, concentrating in one place is bad. And yeah. now what's happened in this country is the police are talking to the social services, the social services are talking to Glasgow Housing Association, which isn't as good as council houses, because you used to get a council house for life, which meant that you felt fucking comfortable. Now you get a Glasgow Housing Association house, which is, comes with all forms of small print bullcrap, they can kick you out, but barrage you with threats and stuff. It's, it's a real change in the attitude, and again, it's handing the power to the state, and which is bought and paid for by corporations, and away from the people uh, which used to be represented in a better uh, sense with the council and stuff. Um, so it's, it's, it's all getting weighed up to this corporatization and the powers. Um, and we're witnessing the, the erosion of very simple things that were put in even the system of government I don't agree with. I don't agree with that system of government, but there was even the person, the people that created that system of government understood they couldn't get away with it with the, without the people seeing that there was a separation of power. If they said that there was one person in charge of the whole police force and that whole police force was in charge with one political party and they all investigated each other, that is a dictatorship. 
I'm sorry. And then when you look at the SNP policies, want they want to get your kids to vote at 16, but they want you to have a state-appointed nanny until you're the age of 18. This is Orwellian wonderland crazy yeah. stuff where they're brainwashing the kids into a political ideology using William Wallace, uh, Braveheart, and all these memes and stuff where there's people marching to a political tune because of a saltire. And they don't even think, what, what, what does this political party think to do? What, what, what policies do they support? They just see the saltire and it's this, this false patriotism that's getting sold to the Scottish people to follow the SNP. And then you can go and even go and look into the roots of the SNP, what they were accused of during World War II and who they were sympathising with. And this isn't like, uh, that's the fascists and Nazis and stuff. There was open dissent within the SNP during World War II that sided with Hitler and stuff. Not the only political people, by the way. There was lots of political people in the UK that sided with Hitler. Long okay. we not forget. I would just need to make a, a caveat here. This, the Scottish National Party didn't exist per se during World War II, but there were what you would might call nationalist sympathisers mm. who were, I would say, favourable towards, more favourable towards Nazi Germany than they were, than they were towards... Uh, yeah, there was there was there was a there was a few people. There wasn't, to my knowledge, a lot of them, but there were some. There were some uh, Welsh nationalists as well who lit bonfires up in the mountains to, to guide the German bombers onto London and things like that. But there were very there was very few of them. But uh, yeah, but that was, and I know that the Germans did uh, uh, put uh, agents into Scotland to try and make contact. With Scottish nationalists again, not members of the SNP because the SNP didn't exist as a political party at that time, but nationalistic Scots uh, to try and make contact with them and try and get them on board. Uh, but it was largely unsuccessful. But there were a few people who were uh, sort of uh, sort of Germanocentric, and they still are. You know, that's why the, that that's, that's why the SNP is pro EU. <laughs> right. Well, I've got one more question for you before we go to the comments and see if anyone else has got a question for you. We saw Jeremy Corbyn this week call for. We saw you. We, we saw, saw you, motherfucker. Basically, call for the homes that, or the houses that aren't being lived in by okay. investors to basically be taken off them by the government uh, temporarily <laughs> and given over to housing the victims of this tower disaster. I'm just wondering what your perspective on that proposal is, because I know what mine is. Well, um. First and foremost, it's typical politicians using and capitalising horrible events for political capital. So, um, again, they use something that like, you need a so black card. Corbyn's a capitalist. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a political socialist who's capitalising. Okay. Um, and uh, capitalism has got nothing to do with capitalism, it's yeah. about with money capital. But anyway, Cor Corbyn um, is like all these scumbag politicians, in my humble opinion, of all preferences, every single one of them, I don't define between any of them. Okay. They're, they're all equally scumbags, in my humble opinion, I really do believe that. Um, they're trying to capitalise us, and that, that's a politician's job, right? For me, that isn't real, that's politics. I, that's why I'm anti-political. I want to see real people doing real things for real reasons yeah, as party yeah, political whole system blowing it out of the water. So Jeremy Corbyn's a scumbag for trying to capitalise on it. And what he's doing is he's playing on your heartstrings. It's like the BBC dripping dead bodies above you on your screen, trying to sell you political agendas. Uh, and the inference is like you want these people to live in the streets if you don't agree with the, this sort yeah. of a policy. Because what this is doing is he's using this to really 
to really swing the, the the political consensus in this country to a political political way, and he's using people's deaths to do it, which I don't agree on. Okay. Um. So yeah, I, I think um, these empty houses and stuff have to be addressed. I can agree with that sentiment. There's more sensible ways of doing it to then marry it to this Greenfield thing, so on yeah. and so forth. What I say is kick the Queen out for a couple of months. Shove her up to Balmoral, shove the Queen up to Balmoral and let the Greenfield residents go and stay in uh, yeah. Buckingham Palace. I'm mm -hmm. sure there's a few enough rooms in there. Uh, keep all the butlers and staff, so make sure they get the best dinner. Uh, and even like Balmoral, man, send the Queen up to Balmoral for a couple of months. Um, because Buckingham Palace is just right next to that. Because Kensington and Chelsea is a royal borough. It's where Prince William's palace actually uh, William and Kate's palace actually is as well, man. So excellent. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear that your view, your views on this. I actually probably posted my most commented on um, Facebook status on this issue when I saw how many people were supporting this idea of just acquisitioning these rich people's property and giving them over to the victims of this disaster, and it read like this. This is the end of civilization. You do not own anything anymore. The government is just giving you the privilege of being able to use it until they decide to take it off you. It starts with the empty houses of the rich because who gives a fuck about those cunts anyway? Bunch of overprivileged wankers. Then it's anyone's house. Then it's anyone's house. Oh, we need your house, right? Then it's anyone's anything. Soon enough, no one will bother making or buying much. They certainly won't build any houses if it, someone's going to take it off of them at the at the drop of a hat. What's the point in making stuff if at any point you've got no guarantee that the government, the entity which is meant to be protecting your property, can just take it off you? And people are going to cheer for this looting as though it's some kind of heroic, altruistic act to give away something that doesn't belong to them to someone else. Well, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and looking at the support for this sentiment of the government just acquisitioning property, the road to hell is the one we're on, unfortunately, and I despair. So let us know what you think. Is it a good thing to acquisition the, the empty property of speculators? I mean, they are just speculators, right? I actually think that the speculators are the flies surrounding the shit. Not, do you know what I mean? The, the, the flies are not the problem. The fact that you've left dog shit on the floor is the problem. The problem's been created by the supply shortage of housing, and that's turned housing that shouldn't be into an asset into an asset. So let's just see if anyone's left us uh, a question and to put to you. I know someone did. Dylan Fearns, I think it's Fearns, it might be Fearns, is he, a, is he one of your long-standing No, fans? no, I don't know that name. Uh, Dylan Fearns. He asks, how do we as libertarians promote community? Uh, do you want to go first, Tam, because you've not spoken for a while. Well, I don't know, how do you promote community? I think it's a natural human thing. Um, I think, if you've read any Hans Hermann Hoppe, he makes the conjecture that a libertarian society would be perforce more communitarian. Um, you know, you'd have to be, you know, in the absence of government, you've got to find ways of getting on with your neighbour, you've got to find ways of uh, interacting with them, you've got to find ways of doing what's mutually beneficial uh, for you, your neighbour, your family. So I think, uh, I, I don't think you need to really 
you think it would spring naturally if government stops doing things that community is meant to do? Yeah, I think it would. I mean, because you, you mean you've mentioned yourself, Anthony, a few times that government does not create anything. Government doesn't come up with anything. It only assimilates what what that which already exists. And then I mean, for, I mean, for example, all the good hospitals in London, all the teaching hospitals, you know, all of the, the ones of any repute, they all existed prior to the NHS. Um, you know, the railways existed before they were they were nationalised. You know, uh, all all. All the things that we, 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 we credit government with, government doesn't actually invent, really. I mean, maybe be, you count in one hand maybe some of the things that government has invented, but even then when it invents it, it generally takes an I idea. invented concentration camps and also <laughs> the nuclear bomb. Okay, yeah. Invented it's not that. all bad. No, exactly, yeah. concentration camps. Yeah, um, we'll give the government that one. Yeah. What do you think, Kip? How, does, how do liberty-minded people create community? How does um, anybody? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's simple in a sense. It's making people feel part of it. What The reason yeah. communities are eroding or even, like, like that, that's one thing that's definitely eroding in this modern society. People are becoming more insular and disconnected, especially with the people directly around them. People would argue the internet, but the internet's yeah. a fail-safe. That's interacting with people with the ability to shut down the laptop, close it off at any point. So it's making actually people more scared to interact with people right, in their right. life. So the internet is a great tool as it is. Never let forget that there's nothing actually quite like sitting down yeah, like and this. chatting to people and stuff. I mean, like. we wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for the internet, but thanks to that, we're actually meeting in person. And can I think... I could actually make one more point as well, just in that, because it never occurred to me, but the, the way you, you return community people and make people more communitarian is you give them back ownership. The first thing you give them back ownership of is of themselves and their own lives. You know, you give people back ownership of themselves and say, look, it's your life, it's your decision, you get on with it. Once you have that, then they have ownership. You know, you, you yeah. know, you know yourself, if people feel that they own something, if they feel that it's theirs, if they feel it belongs to them, they tend to look after it better than if they don't feel any connection or any ownership yeah, with so, it. So, so I'll just add that. Know, the, the public park as opposed to you know the, the, the green space in your, your communal own building, which you're you know you're partly responsible for that. Uh, as soon as something is forced, it's not community. You can't have forced community. So the, the, the thing is, um, in a practical level, I think it's really important to put the laptop off and get out of the house. We have these right we have these Scottish <laughs> libertarian meetups. We have one in Edinburgh, one in Glasgow, at least once a week. And we encourage people to get off the computer and come out and meet in person. The more uh, you can feel your power, the more you can be around people who have similar values to you, you can go out and do things. We've got a friend in the Scottish Libertarian Party, Stephen McNamara, who got involved in a charity and was thinking of renaming it Libertarians in Action and going out and helping people, you know, doing charity work with the title Libertarian attached yeah. to it to Clean show that, you know, yeah. you know, we can help one another. We can uh, create this community. Um, put your heads together. It needs to be... Well, it needs to be voluntary. It needs you need to find people. Don't just hang around people who've got a similar personality to you, which most of us do. You want people to compliment you so that you grow as a person. I mean, I didn't swear as much before I met Tam, but he's you know really influenced me and brought me out of my shell. You know, I've made him more polite, so you know we're, we're, we're both learning. Uh, so, but so I that's think, I think also you know 
it's an old cliche, but you know, you, you, you cannot you can't necessarily change the world, but you can change your world. Right. You know, it starts with you, it starts with you know, maybe that neighbour that you don't like very much, you could maybe be nicer to them. You know, that wife that you've been married to for twenty years and you don't really love her anymore, how about just be nicer to her? Your kids that you actually can't stand very much, be nicer to them. You know, it's learn, yeah, learn qualities that you would like other people to show and demonstrate them to the world so people can learn from your superior influence. Lead, lead by you lead by example. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the race is long, and in the end, it's only with yourself. So, the, the what I feel is like a lot of the advertisers and the Illuminati, the control system and stuff. They use that natural human energy spirit of competing um, against us and get us competing uh, in the rat race to turn that hamster wheel a wee bit, uh, a wee bit quicker, a wee bit faster for them. So, when you're turning the hamster wheel, turn it for yourself. So, when you're competing, compete for yourself for the right reasons right. and for positive outcomes rather than competing with X, Y, and Z in the workplace to turn the hamster wheel a wee bit more for Mr. McDonald's. Compete with yourself. See, I want to learn, I want to improve, I want to learn how to do this, yeah. to make money, to live, to survive, mm -hmm. be self sufficient, stand my own two feet, make my own decisions as much as I can, be possibly as independent as I possibly can. So, like, um, um, I like it's, it's it's great reflecting and inflecting uh, on yourself and, and like I, I use that inner dialogue with yourself as a, as a way to like uh, compete with myself, edge myself on, uh, give myself uh, moral boosts when I need to be my own captain, yeah, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Because nobody else is going to do it, and otherwise, like with all this bull crap, it's very easy to slip into this black hole of despair everything it's very easy man because yeah. there's so much shit out there and it's but it's very consumer. hard to be despairing when you're making a difference like when you're actually doing stuff and you're seeing the results of your actions in the world it's hard to con continue despairing i just wanted to respond to one point uh, from blazing stars who has said great interview guys thank you i'm so glad that you've enjoyed it he said, um, feminism brought in two wage earners, so it increased the house prices twofold to what they should be. I just want to say, uh, there, although there is an element of truth to that, it's only a half truth because uh, prices are determined by supply and demand. So even if feminism led to more people having a two income household and therefore they could pay more for housing and have to compete on a free market where anyone can build housing anytime they want, uh, that would still create a boom in supply, which would bring the houses back to the normal level. That is not sufficient to drive housing prices up. Only a restriction in the supply of housing can create the levels of increase in the, in, in the prices. But what it certainly did do is create another class of people that the government could tax. That's, you know, yeah. You know, when, when, when women were, were housewives, they weren't getting taxed. And the government can't have that. So what it's got to do is get your ass out to work so that it can tax you so that then you have to give your kids to a nanny yeah, uh, who's, or, also, getting who's also getting taxed. Like, you know, and eventually they'll get around to being able to tax your kids somehow. It also goes back to the, the, the killing the community because the first community, the first homestead is your house. Yeah. And your house should always, I don't know my feeling, and it's not even a male-female thing, but there should be a house manned by a member of the family 24-7. And the kids should be out playing on the street. Yeah, a hundred yards at first, and a year later, two hundred you know, yards. Yeah. Just and that natural progression. If yeah. you've got that community, then they can go around and meet the adults that live on their street and find the adult that they admire the most and learn their qualities. Now we're so 
insular you know you know the the man down the street's good at woodwork and will teach your child how to chop it and uh, carve it up and this one is a philosopher and loves uh, uh, English lit and we'll read them poems and enlighten them that way but we don't have these influences there's no mentorship a lot of people grow old without growing wise and <laughs> you and th this is a very sad situation a democracy well, is a documentary that's right we should really um uh I will wrap up now but yeah. I have to say that um I've loved having you on the show, Craig. I'm sure it won't be the last time. You're uh, extraordinarily articulate. And uh, just, uh, do you want to give people your critical details? If uh, he keeps clips on the YouTube, so just C-I-P-S, as in Conceived in Prison, clips uh, on the YouTube. So you'll get two channels. Uh, for the live shows, it's the one with 4,000 odd subs. The other one's more or less a mirror. Um, so make sure you sub to both of them. Live shows on a Tuesday, not the InfoWars Nightly News. It's uh, the original and one and only alternative look at the alternative media. Skeptical about the skeptics and watch the motherfucking watchmen because somebody's got to do it. And then on a Friday, see through the Fear Porn Friday where it's an open hangout. Everybody's welcome. No topic off the table. It's um, We approach everything with a bit of a tongue-in-cheek humour as well. So all top, everybody's welcome. Um, and there's a good bunch there. There are people that um, break it all down. And uh, Anthony and Tom's welcome at any point as well on a Friday. So Thank see you. through the fear porn Friday. Until then, you're at home. Be libertarians. Don't be a lefty. And don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you.